Hey everybody, I'm Micah Rich. And I'm Olivia Kane. And welcome to the Weekly Typographic. A podcast where we discuss our favorite type and design news from the week. Hi, Olivia. Oh, that was so loud. Hello, hello. <laughs> welcome to our podcast that we do pretty much almost every week together. Yeah, except there was a guest last week. Steph Clark mm -hmm. had joined us and brought her amazing new perspective. So welcome back, Micah. Glad to have oh, a regular back here on the pod. So good to be here. Yeah. If anyone is like, Olivia sounds maybe a little tired today, I did. My sister got married Friday and I'm still in recovery. It is Sunday. Congratulations, um, sister and sister's husband. Congrats, everyone. I've learned that my stamina is about 12 hours of having fun and then I need lots of rest. So <laughs> You sound almost human. That's like a normal human thing. Yeah, right? So excited to be back here with you, though. The podcast keeping me grounded always and forever. Very <laughs> exciting. We do have like an interesting twist today on the normal format a little bit, right? Yeah, we're going to do a little showcase of some 3D artists out there. Obviously, we highlight a lot of type designers and lettering artists, but we wanted to dedicate one just to 3D artists that are ranging all the way from the very experimental ethereal 3D lettering to stuff that's more existing in the AR, VR space to kind of more commercially viable, accessible 3D lettering with punchy colors and client work that's, you know, more mainstream. So we have a whole range that we're going to talk about today. I'm excited. It's kind to of like a whole nerd alert deep dive in a way. Yeah. And also just giving people some new inspiration that is out of their algorithm potentially that they're not seeing mm. on a day-to-day -day basis. I had to go search and find a lot of these artists I didn't know before this. So very excited to deep dive into them all. I like that. Also out of your algorithm. Funny how that's such an understandable phrase these days. <sighs> I know. I feel like sometimes we're the robots and the internet's the ones controlling us. Oh, shoot. <laughs> that's a conversation for another day. Philip K. Dick over here. Oh, my God. All right. All right. First <laughs> artist we have is Alex Valentina. And we linked to Alex's Instagram. I discovered Alex through a trends report uh, that came out earlier this year talking about some of the up-and-coming 3D digital artists that are using lettering in an interesting way. So some clients that you can see on Alex's feed that, that he's been commissioned to work for, one is Vogue, another one is BMW, another one is Maison Kitsune. So we have some fashion, we have some automobile brands. I know when I first discovered this artist, me and Steph talked about it a little bit, talking about the client base, for example, fashion or cars already, those are more aspirational brands that aren't as grounded in the everyday experience. They're trying to kind of sell a fantasy, sell a lifestyle. So what does it mean that they're using these very strange letters that look like they're metallic and also like really gooey and not really based on any traditional type design? What does it mean that these brands are going with these experimental 3D letters that look like they're kind of alien? It's pretty interesting. We've seen a lot of 3D letters throughout the years, but there is something to say about this really particular style that feels like it's coming out from outer space into our worlds. I mean, one of the interesting things 
I went to Alex's website and then clicked on graphics and ended up back at Alex's Instagram. <laughs> and so that's kind of interesting. Like the portfolio is the Instagram, but mm-hmm. there's some stories of typefaces. It looks like a lot of the type is custom made, which I didn't realize when I was first looking at it. But I mean, a lot of it looks hand done, but not necessarily like a custom font, more like lettering. But some of it seemingly has been transformed into font. Yeah, I see that. Which at least tells me that it isn't just squiggles. There is some system in his mind of how this all works together. Yeah. When I say like a lot of the letter forms are like ooey gooey, really loose, soft skeleton, like there certainly is a knowledge of how letter forms work. There's still a logic to these really weird, crazy letter forms. And I do think it's interesting, you know, I did mention like Vogue and BMW, but one of the more recent projects I'm seeing now on Alex's page is for Amazon. Amazon Books commissioned him to make some animations for a campaign. And it's all this typography that is trying to like express the feelings in your head when you're reading a book. Definitely like a weird campaign. I haven't seen anything quite like that before. That's true. I kind of glossed over this in the beginning, but it's like a collection of weird stickers of phrases and thoughts that you would have while reading, just kind of plastered onto weirdly generic imagery. I don't know. Yeah, people reading books. I don't know. Definitely interesting Amazon taking that more like unconventional campaign (laughs) approach. It's a little surprising. I do think that's maybe like a theme that we're going to see throughout some of these is that Mm -hmm. like you have mentioned to me Mm -hmm. that some of these brands are going to these illustrators. And I don't think I totally understand why that is. Mm. I don't mean that in an insulting way, like, oh, why would you go to this person's work? I see, like, it's just such unique and seemingly artistic work. Yes. That it seems a little confusing to me why brands want to start aligning with some artists. The best that I can explain it is some kind of influencer campaign for these brands of being like, oh, if you know this person's work already, you'll think we are cool because... We're working with them rather than the other way around, which is how brands usually try to do it, right? It's like, we're the cool ones and you get to work with us. Yeah, that's very possible. I remember that happened years ago. There was this one lettering artist that did one of the covers for Drake's album. And it was like this really sloppy, very crude handwritten lettering, black and white. And then I remember a couple of years later, Gucci had a campaign that used this lettering artist's work. And it was like so ugly. It was cool. That was kind of the vibe, not at all comparing the aesthetics to what this is. But that's such a good point that maybe someone's BMW saw that Vogue lettering was like, oh, we want to, we like this artist. This is like seeming up and coming. And then all of a sudden, if you follow these fashion brands and luxury brands, you're going to start being like, oh, they know that Alex Valentino, then they know what's up. Yeah. Interesting take. I personally, I hope I'm not going to make any enemies by saying this, and I mean no disrespect, but it does seem like a handful of these things we're going to talk about are so ugly, it's cool, which I don't understand. (laughs) That's just my opinion. We all know Micah as the grumpy man saying, get off my lawn about new trends and stuff. But that's not totally off base. A lot of this is just like splattered random things that turn into letters with extreme contrast that makes no sense. And like 
I'd say it's like very alien to me. There's definitely ugly as in like a far-fetched from what we consider beautiful letters. I could see that. Like some of this reminds me of that classic famous internet wolf t-shirt. You know what I'm talking about? No. (laughs) Okay, well, now I might seem crazy. It's not even specifically one t-shirt, but it's like a category of t-shirts of Mountain Dew drinking pimply gamers in their basement when they're like 12 years old wearing like cool wolf t-shirts that have like weird gradients and like a wolf howling. Like the ironic wolf t-shirts of like 2012. (laughs) Yeah, I think so. I think we're talking about the same thing. Interesting. Okay. I don't exactly get that vibe, but (laughs) I'm sure there will be people that agree with you. I'm sure you're not alone. Next link, we have an article from It's Nice That, and it's highlighting Rajri Saraf's angsty AR typography posters. This was a project called Hallucinating Type, and Rajri had the idea to, instead of just like making typographic posters, which I think are also part of this project, to make typographic posters that lived amongst different settings in New York City. And by that, there was an AR filter and Rashi was writing really crazy, somewhat poetic, somewhat mad, angry phrases and using AR to animate them. So they kind of lived in different environments and they're called typographic sculptures, basically. It's an easy way to think about how they're living. And I think some of the phrases were, fuck my life. Some of the phrases were full of shit. Some of the phrases where art school doesn't count. So you can see that there's definitely some emotion in these. But I also think I had an Oculus set on five days ago. And I think the way typography is going to start showing up in virtual reality, augmented reality, it's not really going anywhere. So thinking about people that are already experimenting in this space and experimenting with what kind of text shows up where and like how that tension exists between like the real world and what the augmented reality creates is interesting. Definitely an art school lover's project, even though there's literally a phrase that says art school doesn't count, but it reminds me of like- Art school hater. Yeah. Like I'm in art school and I wish that I had saved my money. Yeah, I definitely get that vibe a lot from it. Just like the experimental stuff. But it's also just like kind of entertaining to see little scenes that seem really mundane with this larger than life typography kind of overlaid on top of it. That's true. I definitely can appreciate, I'm sure, no surprise, the angst that she is saying just accidentally bled into these projects. Mm -hmm. I'm real curious your perspective on why this is important or useful work. First of all, I don't see AR projects very often. I think it's important to see what people are thinking about as someone that was constrained to four corners of a piece of 2D graphics as a student and like currently in my work every day, I do think it's important to be exposed to like how type can be showing up in ways that I'm just like never going to think about in my default way of design thinking. And also I had a lot of fun doing typographic posters for totally personal work in college and that like led to a lot of opportunities. So I think there are going to be technologists that see this type of work and even though it's clearly more personal and clearly like a more humorous take on it, it's always important to put yourself inside of your own personal projects. And I think this is definitely going to stand out, whether that's like in a commercially viable space or maybe like someone that wants to 
a client that wants to explore how AR can be showing up in an urban environment. All right, I'll buy that. That makes sense. One of the things that I don't understand about people who are really fascinated with type in AR, I don't think I've ever seen anything other than type floating randomly in the world. Why is that? (laughs) That's my big question. Why is type floating such an interesting thing? I mean, like, how else would it exist, though? That's inherent to an AR filter is that, like, you're overlaying it on top of things. Like, there is no grounding plane, necessarily. I don't think that's technically true. I think you can tell where the ground is. I mean, I guess I don't know the technology limitations that well. Where else do we use AR as a normal person these days? I'm thinking Snapchat or Instagram filters where it's like attached to your face. So there is grounding there. Mm-hmm. Something like like the Ikea app or the Amazon app where you can like test furniture out in your room or the measurement app that comes with iPhones. I'm sure Androids too, where you can draw a line and see how long it is. All of those have grounding elements in them where it's like integrating it into the environment in a realistic way. Yeah, that's a fair question. It might not have been a constraint when you're thinking of like someone's personal project of basically creating a new poster every day. So I think there's probably some technological constraints of like how much you really cared about having it be anywhere but floating. Well, this isn't me really critiquing her work. This is me just saying like as a branch from that, like we've seen a couple, just only a couple. That's part of your point is we don't see a lot of projects like this. But every project that I feel like I've seen does have type floating in the ether in the world. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Weird? Yeah. And now I'm curious what it does feel like to see something that's not floating but is not floating for like a specific purpose too. I'm now imagining, you know, she kind of describes in some of her projects that she really loves the grungy photocopier aesthetic Mm -hmm. and that she was trying to bring that into the world of what is otherwise like AR is very, or attempts to be polished, yeah, and pristine and whatever. That is a very interesting juxtaposition. It just makes me wonder, what if she had been designing posters? This is a totally different project than what she did, so this isn't a critique either. But just like I'm imagining like a project where you design a poster that is all of that, but moves and the AR part is like putting the poster in places, almost like virtual graffiti on a wall where the thing moves. Yeah. Now I'm just, yeah. now I'm just thinking things out loud. No, no, no. That's an interesting thought for sure. And could be the next iteration of a project like this. Somebody do it because I don't care that much. Yeah. <laughs> I go. <laughs> All right, next artist we're highlighting is Vincent Wagner. I actually found this artist because he collaborated with Velveteen, our favorite open source foundry over in France, to create modeling for the glyphs of Pillow Lava, which is a font I'm pretty sure I use on my website, which is like this kind of weird, crazy display type base Velveteen put out. And I think to Vincent forked it, and basically made a 3D version. I don't know how 3D fonts work that well, but basically made like a 3D version of the font that you can probably use in Blender or Cinema 4D or any of those projects. So that's also linked in the portfolio site that we're linking to. So from there, I'd say this work is probably 
not too far off from our first artist, Alex Valentina's, but you can see there's a lot more experimental and personal projects shown on here. A lot more of this weird type being placed into like human anatomy or the type kind of branching out. It reminds me of some of the death metal type that we looked at six or seven months ago that feel like they have a life of their own. So definitely interesting to see a lot of these personal works. Again, heavy on the metallic look. So I, I do think that that being trend is not too far off. Also interesting, I think one of the few clients that are on here that commissioned uh, his type was Ritual, which I'm pretty sure, yeah, Ritual is like a skincare line, I think. Interesting, they commissioned him to do these very like watery, typography graphics that look like water bubbles forming in this really mm. unidentifiable world. So yeah, some interesting examples to kind of peruse over here. You bring up a good point with the metal thing. And I'm thinking like one of the things I was saying before we started recording was a lot of this stuff doesn't actually feel very new to me because I went to school for motion graphics where we were like getting introduced to 3D programs and like learning how to model and, and make materials and do lighting and stuff like that back in 2006 and 2008, even 2004. That's like some of the stuff that I was doing in school. And a lot of this work to some extent has those same things in it. And some of what we're looking at here and about to look at in the next couple links too, when you get into a 3D program, it's like a combination of the beautiful detail that you get from photography or video mm -hmm. where there's like accidental beauty because of light bouncing off of things and super realistic textures that you can't help. You're just capturing combined with the total control of traditional art forms where you get mm -hmm. to invent everything that you're looking at. Mm -hmm. So it was super easy to be like, I'm going to make something that looks like metal, but could never exist as metal in real life. Yep. And then it's just like so immediately gratifying. It's easy to make those textures in 3D programs. And then it's fairly easy to light them in a way that looks just suddenly impressive. You're like, I made that. Yeah. That didn't exist. That couldn't exist in the real world. And I made mm -hmm. that. How cool. And it's like floating, right? Mm -hmm. I feel like that's maybe where a lot of the I feel like that with metal and with claymation, soft diffusion sort of textures and stuff. Both of those yeah. were the things that everybody, including me, when we started learning 3D, we were like, I want to make this stuff. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's maybe part of why that's such a pattern of textures and colors and lighting and stuff that we're seeing. Yeah, I think there is something to say about being totally enamored by the light and shadows that metal can create and like the variety of it too. Mm. You can say it's metallic, but is it a glossy metallic? Is it a matte metallic? Is it not metallic at all? It's like seemingly like a gooey glass texture, but then how opaque is that texture? How translucent? There's reasons why people are in awe of, you know, big metallic sculptures in real life or huge glass sculptures or prisms or all of that stuff that is existing and makes our world beautiful. But then what if you could just be the author of that story in a 3D program? Yeah. And the ease, the shortness of time it takes to get to something that looks kind of realistic with those ideas, with those textures, 
it's so much quicker to make something that looks magical. It's just fast to get to with something like metal where there's all those crazy reflections and whatnot. Yeah. You get to that point real quick and you're like, oh my gosh, I am awesome. This looks so cool. What the heck? And I don't know about anybody else who's messing with 3D, but it's sometimes even not that interesting to try to move past that. You just get there and you're like, this is really cool. I'm going to do a hundred things like this because it's cool. Yeah. And it's easy to see why someone like Vincent would want to take a typeface and totally metallify the whole thing (laughs) and see how the type kind of sings a different song when it's in a certain texture and it's lit a certain way. Yeah. And also why there's so much like personal work, I think, on this page too, because if you're in love with creating these scenes, you're not going to wait around for a client to commission it. You're going to also like kind of do your own experimenting and that itself is going to get clients to commission you to do it as well. Right. What comes first, the chicken or the egg, the client or the personal work? <laughs> I think scientifically that question has been answered. Has it? It was just an egg, but it wasn't laid by a chicken. I've never heard this. Learn something new oh. every day. We're teaching science. I feel like I watched something from from Neil deGrasse Tyson, who was like, "Oh yeah, we answered that a long time ago." Evolution, right? Like, man, who all knew? right, you're smart, fine. The typographic scientific episode. <laughs> Incredible. So switching to the different side of the 3D art and type and illustration world, we have Mora Vietes. I'm probably butchering this last name. I'm trying my best, but definitely go check out the Instagram link in our newsletter in the show notes. She does a totally different style. I think she leans into more of the claymation-y type textures. She also has some kind of glass, glossy textures as well, metallic textures. But I think a lot of her typographic and illustrative work is in combination with characters or illustrations, more scenes that feel maybe playful and colorful. Definitely a big variety of types of letter forms she has. I feel like you often see a bunch of cursify, metallic balloon type letter forms, but you also get the word what made out of a cookie with some caramel dripping on it. So I think a lot of this works a little bit more commercially viable. Clients of hers include Microsoft and Nickelodeon and Target. You can definitely see how her work might lend lend itself to that way. But I also think it's great to kind of see different takes on the 3D type world. Um, If you click through, you know, we have her Instagram, but she also has a portfolio website in her bio. Um, She did the Washington Post podcast design, which is always fun because I love talking about podcasts on our podcasts. But yeah, it's always interesting to see the type of applications clients kind of want this style for and all the different directions you can go. And I think all the playful, less scary experimental (laughs) directions you can go (laughs) as well yeah there's a lot of really adorable stuff in this yeah and i gotta say of the ones that we've talked about so far i am most impressed by her stuff for two reasons well maybe three reasons one is like in a few of these you can see a hint of the process of how she'll go from drawing it to building it in 3D. And it is always impressive to me, the drawing part of the illustration. Like it's one thing to throw a bunch of stuff around and like move things and experiment in your 3D program and see what cool things come out from it. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's another thing to like have an intention of an illustration and build it in different mediums so similarly. 
Yeah, that's a good way to put it. And then another thing is a lot of her work in comparison to the stuff that we've talked about so far involves 3D modeling. And 3D modeling, that is hard. It is like sculpting where you can't touch anything. Interesting. So 3D modeling as opposed to what were we talking about before then? I mean, I think a lot of some of the work that we saw from Alex or Rashri, the AR stuff, mm-hmm. or even Vincent, like all of the ones that we've talked about, I think a lot of them are taking type, importing those lines into a 3D program and blowing them up and maybe putting some effects on them and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But a lot of what Moore's work includes is like building, there was one that I just saw. I mean, there's plenty of like characters that you can see that you have to build from scratch mm-hmm. with pieces in 3D. Yeah, like modeling something with clay, except doing all those steps manually with a digital program. Right. Okay. This is the one that made me think of that was the uh, the love what you do example. It's like a, uh, quite a few down. Okay. A pencil for the word love, like all twisty. And then cookies with caramel for the word what and hand embroidered textures for you do with a bunch of little details and stuff. And you can see in that video, A, starting from drawing, B, some of the just wireframe models where the cookie of what, obviously the what had to be built in 3D. And that Mm -hmm. could just be as simple as tracing it as a vector in Illustrator and bringing it in and making it three dimensional. Yeah. That's possibly how she got there. But then the caramel that's dripping on top of the what you Mm -hmm. can tell from the wireframes was built like you have to build that in 3D in a way that ends up still looking like what she had drawn in the first place. I see that now. And then I think the last thing that I really respect a lot about a lot of her work is she definitely has a knowledge of the materials more than some of the other stuff we've seen. Mm -hmm. Or if you like zoom in on different pieces there's just different qualities to the materials that she's using like some look like balloons or some look like metal like we've seen some really look like fabric which is hard some look like stone there's like felt looking pieces and a lot of times you have to zoom in on a small piece that isn't the focal point of the illustration to realize that there's like detail there too yeah different And that takes a lot more depth of knowledge of a 3D tool than kind of just experimenting, which is not a disrespect to anybody who's experimenting, but I'm just saying I also appreciate both sides. Yeah, absolutely. I keep on looking at a few other examples and I'm seeing just like the tiny details that you're talking about that kind of like really allow the texture to tell a story of its own as well, you know? Yeah, there's one way down kind of in the middle called like shine like the mother effing sun. Mm -hmm. And if you open it up, like the letters are really cool. They look like balloons or something or like shiny clay or something. And that's Mm -hmm. neat. But then you look at the sun and you're like, Mm -hmm. oh, the texture on that sun makes it look like there's fingerprints left from when you were building a clay ball. It's really cool. For all I know, maybe that's not 3D. Maybe the type is 3D and she actually took a picture of a clay ball that's possible. But considering the rest of her portfolio seems to be 3D, I would suspect that that was just like a minute attention to detail in materials, which is cool. Absolutely. I love that. And thanks for pointing that out. I feel like definitely can make someone appreciate 
this stuff even more and being even yeah. more inspired. Yeah. Different ways to play. Good way to put it. Speaking of play, we have one last super playful lettering artist, Noah Camp. And this is a little profile on Noah's work. It's from Print Mag. The headline is Noah Camp's bubbly, nostalgic 3D letter forms look good enough to eat. And that's because a lot of the projects he has worked on with lettering is food related, which I think is great. Print Mag talks about how they first learned about Noah's work through a project called 90s Nibbles, which was a lettering series that used a lot of nostalgic candy in a series of an alphabet, which you can definitely check out in the link. But also throughout the article, you get links to Noah's work on his Instagram, including some really tasty looking pretzel typography and some really fun animations and wacky scenes, including a waffle that is using typography on it too. Like speaking of textures, just definitely some pretty astounding detail in a lot of this work. And also just a really fun, playful, accessible lettering portfolio. I think it's clear Noah probably works with a lot more mainstream clients, kind of similar to Mora's work as well, but lots of fun character designs kind of sprinkled in editorial work for whether that's a magazine or I think Scholastic as well. Lots of good stuff to kind of see how this can apply to different projects. Honestly, this is probably my favorite of the ones that we've shown just personally, mm-hmm. based wise. I think there's a lot you can also see on the Instagram too. So definitely make sure you check that out, including I think one of the most recent works at this moment is some work for Target, which it's always fun to see Bullseye the dog in 3D illustration. Honestly, looking the best he's ever looked. Like what a cute dog as a tiny claymation dog. Exactly. Why were you so drawn to Noah's work? I think personal preference. I feel like honestly, when I was in 3D, This is a lot of the style of stuff that I was trying to go for, like the claymation, but with like extreme detail and weird little parts sometimes. Mm -hmm. I definitely did a bunch with letters like this that were just like P for pizza and then would make the P look like pizza. So part of it is just nostalgic of like, oh, I used to do this stuff. Part of it is like the way that they draw their characters is a lot of the ways that I have historically drawn characters, which is like dumb round little face with dots for eyes, which for me, it was always because I couldn't draw. And I was like, I like cute things. So I'll just make it easy and cute. But I think too, they also bring in a lot of what I was just talking about with Mora's work of the attention to detail and the texture. Yeah. Which you can't see it in all of them. And some of them, I think it looks unintentional and is unintentional compared to some of the other work. When you see something like the waffle one, you're like, whoa, that is wildly detailed and still cartoony and clay like, but still way like super detailed. And then Mm -hmm. they have one of like a deconstructed cheeseburger in the style of Bob's burgers. And it looks very generic, but at the same time looks like the toy burgers yeah. That I like yeah. play with my nieces with. Exactly. It is really an attention to detail of what that plastic shine looks like. You know, I think part of the cuteness spoke to me and also just there were tiny moments of, oh, they definitely know what they're doing. So when it looks simplistic, it must be on purpose. 
Yeah, that's a good way to put it. I really like that. I think there's like a lot in here, especially looking at if you scroll down far enough, you get to the 90s nibbles series where Noah like took a bunch of candy and transformed it into letter forms. In general, I think there's a lot of inspiration for illustrators and lettering artists that maybe aren't even 3D illustrators or lettering artists, but can look at this and think of inventive ways to create food that speaks to like a more typographic sensibility or playful color schemes that I think can be inspiring. So I think there's a lot of good stuff. And I think that's, you know, with all of the artists that we talked about today, it's exciting to see how people are interpreting this genre and kind of making it their own, but then also thinking about where this type is going to be showing up in the world when clients commission it and what makes it expected, what makes it unexpected, what are different takes on it. Hopefully you kind of can soak everything in today and carry it with you in your design brain. I would love to hear people's thoughts on like why maybe this is becoming a trend for brands right now to be using it. That's one of the things that I, I think I'm a little fuzzy on, especially like I'd mentioned, like this is the type of work that a lot of people around me were doing 10 or 12 years ago. And for now there to be this like resurgence before it was in motion graphics for commercials where people were making animated commercials that looked like this. And now it seems to be having a resurgence of that style in print and I'm curious, A, why it took so long to, like, make that leap. Yeah. Uh, and B, you know, is it just, like, trends recycling like they do? Like, we yeah. know that the 90s are back in now and whatever. Yeah. So, I don't know. I'm just curious. Like, if anybody has any cool opinions, tweet about them or share thoughts. I second that. We do stuff Completely. on those channels sometimes. Oh, Yes. Well, thanks, Micah, for sharing all of your... I feel like you had so many insightful thoughts because you were around this during your educational formative years where I kind of have less... Because I'm old. I'm 1,000 years old. I've lived through everything. Ooh. Tell us all about things that happened hundreds of years ago. Did you meet John <laughs> Baskerville? <laughs> Back in my day. John Baskerville was actually a vampire. Oh. Yeah, that's why he's buried up... He's buried like... He's buried Vertically. What? Right? Vertically. Yeah. yeah, something really bizarre. I think you taught me that. I don't know why I know that and you don't. <laughs> yeah, I think I did. All right. Great times. Great times, Olivia. Good finds. Yes. And uh, folks, hit us up if you have opinions. We'd love to hear them. Sweet, sweet, sweet. All right. Bye, everybody. See you on the internet. Do-do-do-do. 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 Do-do-do-do.